Well, stand with me tonight, if you would, and open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I think about this chapter, this book of the Bible, every morning during the week. Because when I get up, I brew. He brews. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would not they have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged would have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore when he cometh into the world he says sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I lo I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offerings for sin thou would not, neither have you pleasure therein, for they are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may, be that the, he may establish the second, by the which we are all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father. Lord God, guide me tonight, Father. Let my words be your words, O God, to lift up the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we praise you for it tonight, for it's in your name we pray, O God. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. <clears throat> so what are these verses having to do with? Well, back in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, we find out that God set up a series of laws. He gave people the Ten Commandments, and then in the book of Leviticus, he established uh, the way those laws were to be done. He established feasts. He established sacrifices. He established all these things, and there was an entire culture there of, of establishing the law. And people lived by the law for over 1,900 years. They did, they did whatever the law required is what they did. But what they found out is that over time, they simply made the law a matter of ceremony. It was simply something they did. It was just as much a part of their life as getting up in the morning and going to work, going to the temple and bringing a sacrifice. It was, it, there was no heart in it. There was no desire in it. There was no passion in it. It simply became mechanical. And so that because their sins were never forgiven, they were only covered so they received the recompense for their sin for, for then, but then when they sinned again, they had another sacrifice they had to do. And it was a constant series of sacrifices until it got to the point that they started saying, well, we'll just go ahead and worship this idol, and tomorrow we'll kill a goat for it. There was no, there was no heart for God. I mean, read the book of Malachi. There's no heart for God. There's no desire for God. It's just, a, it's just as simple as, well, tomorrow we'll just make a sacrifice. We'll go ahead and sin today, and we'll just make a sacrifice tomorrow. And, and, and that's what they did. And so when Jesus Christ came, 
When Jesus Christ came, he did away with the law. His sacrifice did away with the law, so there's no more a need for the killing of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. Why? Because Jesus Christ became the sacrifice for our sin. <laughs> and he doesn't cover my sin. He forgives my sin. Glory to God. I don't carry that burden anymore. He who the Son makes free is free indeed. Glory to God. My sins are not covered. They're forgiven, not to be remembered anymore. They are washed away. They are, they are cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And God made a better way through Jesus Christ, but he established the second and the first was done away with. There, there is no more sacrifice for sin by the ashes of, by sacrifice, by, by the ashes of blood or the bulls of goats and, and, and the blood of those things. There's, there's no more sacrifice for that. Why? Because Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice. When he gave his life on the cross, he finished the plan of God. Now I'm under his blood. And when Jesus forgives me, it's forgiven. And not only is it forgiven, it's forgotten. He took away the first so that the second could be established. And I want to let you know tonight that God doesn't keep two trains on the same track. God doesn't keep two methods of something going on. He, he takes away the first so the second can be established. We find out that, the, that, that the, on the day of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon those in the upper room, the 120 that was there, and they began taking the gospel around the world, and they established a church at Antioch, and that church from Antioch began to establish the gospel around the world, and we find out that Paul, after about 25 years of ministry, uh, he, he got saved in, in about... 30, about 37 A.D., he got saved, and then this is about 57 A.D., so about 20 years of ministry. We find Paul goes back to his country in order to offer alms for his country. We find out that once he gets there in, in Acts 21, he gets arrested. And whenever he gets arrested, he gets arrested because they said he brought Trophimus into the into the, into the temple, Trophimus being Ephesian, being in Gentile, they accused him of defiling the temple. And the Bible says a very funny thing whenever they arrest Paul and start to beat him, the Bible says, and the temple door was closed. And the temple door was closed. And I want to let you know that as you continue to read the Bible after Acts 21, you begin to see it's the rise of the church and it's the going away of the nation of Israel from being the carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church at Jerusalem begins to fade away and the church at Antioch begins to gain the prestige. Why? Because the, the Jewish people have rejected God. They've rejected Jesus. Now they've rejected the Holy Spirit and in that rejection, God closes the door on the Jews being the carriers of the gospel and now the church is the carriers of the gospel. He, he did away with the first so he could establish the second. And God does the same thing with us on a consistent basis. When you get saved, when you get saved, you're not supposed to just get partially saved. You're not supposed to just, just say a prayer and hope that somehow that does it. No. If any man be in Christ Jesus, then he's Christ Jesus. Old things have what? passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and if you're going to follow Jesus, then you're going to follow Jesus. 
You're going to have to do away with old lifestyles. You're going to have to do away with old friends. You're going to have to do away with old things you used to do. You're going to have to let them go. And not only are you going to have to let them go, but you're going to have to realize that those things have got to pass away because you can't establish the second until the first is crucified. Until the first is done away with. You'll never be able to follow God if you're constantly telling me about how good the old days were. They weren't good. They weren't good. You're only remembering the parts of it you want to remember, but it was terrible. It wasn't good. Waking up in the morning and not knowing what you did last night with your head in the toilet and somebody telling you you had a good time. That wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time when you couldn't make your bills. It wasn't a good time whenever you were having marriage troubles. It wasn't a good time when your kids were acting crazy. It wasn't a good time. That wasn't a good time. But you know what? You'll never establish the beauty and the power and the anointing and the blessings of the power of the glory of God until you forget those old things and let them go in the sea of forgetfulness to begin to follow Jesus Christ with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. The first has to die before the second can live. I was an engineer for 30 years. 30 years of my life, I was doing plans and drawing up instrumentation and stalling projects and running jobs and doing all that stuff. But in 2011, God said it's time to do away with that. It's time to do away with that. And it's time to become a, a pastor full-time at a church. Thank God it was this church. <laughs> but I had to let the first go. I had to let the money go. I had to let the friends go. I had to let the training go. I had to let the education go. I had to let all of that go. I had to let the... <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I had to let the first go before I could establish the second. In about 2017, this church went through a huge financial drop. We actually, we actually went in the red for about four months there. If it hadn't been for the Royal Rangers money in the checking account, we would have we went under. The money was bad. The finances were bad. It wasn't turning around. It had steadily dropped. For about a year, it had dropped every month, every month, and now we were in the red. And I told the board, I said, look, I'm the most expensive thing you pay for. I'm going to go out here somewhere, and I'm going to find me a little job somewhere, and, I, and I'm going to get off the payroll for a little while in order that we can try to get a hold of the finances. And you know what the board told me? We didn't put you on to send you back to work. They had released the first so that they could establish the second. And when we made that decision that night, whenever we said, we're going to stick with what God gave us to do, we're going to make it exactly as God said, we're going to, matter of fact, one of them told me, I, it kind of stung a little bit, but they told me, we're going to choose just to trust God. I thought, why didn't I think of that? That's why God gives me a board. He gives me men and women of, of, of wisdom and knowledge to strengthen me. And as soon as we made that decision that we were going to trust God, our finances the very next month began to turn around. Oh, it wasn't big. 
It wasn't huge. We still went in the red, but we weren't in the red as much. And the next month, we weren't in the red as much. And from that time forward, we have steadily climbed. We have steadily seen God bring finances into it. But you know what? You have to forget the first before you can establish the second. If you always looking back and thinking, well, if, this, if preaching don't work out for me, I can always go back into, into the business world, you're not going to make it. You're not going to establish what God's given you to do because the first has to be done away with before the second can be established. If you're going to try to follow God and try to find out everything that God has for you, like we preached this morning, if you're going to be successful in what God has called you to, you're going to have to let those old things pass away so that all things can become new. You can't keep running. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You'll never get a promise from God if you're constantly trying to figure out how he's going to do it. You'll never get a promise from God if you're always trying to figure out or, or tell me how good the good old days were or how good your last job was. Ava just got promoted. Praise God. She's here with us tonight. And she's not fixing to go to work on nights. But I'm telling you, she didn't get this way because she was constantly looking for somewhere else to go. I know there was times whenever she wanted to go somewhere else, but she stuck with what God put her in. She stuck in it. She stayed through the hard times, working straight nights, many times getting off, coming to church, going back home, catching a few hours sleep, missing events, doing everything that happened from the years that she worked nights and wasn't able to participate. But she had to do that because she had to be able to, to go through the process of what God was doing in her life in order to him to be able to demonstrate to her that she can trust him, that he has a plan, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going to ever get promoted to a corporal if you can't perform as a private. You never make sergeant if you can't make corporal. But in order to do that, you've got to forget those things that are behind. You've got to press for the calling of Jesus Christ. If you want to see God establish something in your life, then you've got to let those things go that are your desires in order to achieve what his desires are. If you're a, if you're a singer and you love to sing, but for some reason God doesn't put you on the praise team or doesn't put you behind the pulpit and you're not singing, then that, that doesn't mean that you quit. It just means you find out what else he's doing. Because God never establishes a second without doing away with the first. When you get in the, I talked a while ago about the children of Israel being pushed away, being, being shut off and the church rising. Well, when you look at Revelation 4.1, we find that the church leaves the earth. I heard a voice from heaven that said, come up hither. So in chapter Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, the church is raptured away. The train that's delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world is removed from the earth. What happens now? Revelation 7, 12,000 out of every tribe of Israel are called as evangelists and they begin taking the gospel across the earth again. The church is gone, but Israel's raised back up to once again be the evangelist of the gospel of Jesus Christ this time. Not the gospel of the law of Moses, but the gospel. My Lord, I just realized that. Not the gospel of, 
whew, not the gospel of the law of Moses, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. A, a country right now rejects Jesus Christ. It's going to have 144,000 people raised up that are going to promote Jesus Christ because when the church is gone, then God has removed that, but he's established another means whereby men can be saved. And once again, he's back to the children of Israel as they begin to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the, sec the second won't come on the track till the first leaves. And it's that way, if, if, you're going to receive a, if you're going to receive a promise of God, you can't continually be looking back and asking how long. I said, if you're going to receive a promise from God, you can't be continually looking backwards and saying, how long? You're going to have to establish that you're going to believe God till you see it. You're going to praise God till you see it. You're going to glorify God and win the battle in the heavenlies because once you win the battle in the heavenlies, then I'm telling you from experience that the earthly follows the victories in the heavenlies. I said the earthly follows the victories in the heavenlies. If you don't pray through to it, God put on my heart a particular church about four weeks ago, a particular church in this area that's, that's under the Natchez Valley that, that's God just put it on my heart and I started praying for him. And every time I got down to pray, I started praying for this church. And, and, and I'm wondering, I'm saying, why am I praying for this church? It's, 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 it, it needs to grow. It needs, some things need to happen there. But, but I'm not in charge of it. So why am I praying for it? Well, I'll tell you why I'm praying for it. Because I'm the presbyter. I, I'm the guy that's supposed to be overseeing these churches. And God laid it upon my heart to begin praying for this church. And I prayed for this church and I prayed for this church and I prayed for this church. And for the last several weeks, I've been praying about this church. I don't really know how to pray. I don't really know what I'm praying for. I'm just saying, God, you've laid it on my heart. We've got to see something happen here, God. We need a breakthrough in this church. We need something to happen. And God, you've laid it on my heart. And I just, I'm just interceding for this church. Last night, well, this morning, about midnight, I woke up, couldn't go back to sleep, went in there and sat in my chair, began, started out on my phone if I tell the truth. <laughs> After a minute, I got bored with that and I thought, the Holy Spirit just said, why don't you pray? Well, that's a novel thought. Why don't I do that? So I started praying. It wasn't very long until God brought me back around to this church. And as I began to pray about this church, sitting there in my easy chair, praying about this church, all of a sudden, I began to feel the Spirit of the Lord start to turn over in me. All of a sudden, I began to feel the power of God start to surge within me. And all of a sudden, I felt that heavy burden. I felt that heavy desire, that thing that I didn't even know what I was praying for. I just knew that church needed prayer. All of a sudden, I felt that burden lift, and I realized then that I had touched heaven. 
Oh, it took me a few weeks to do it. But I'm telling you, I touched heaven. And now that I've touched heaven, I know that God's will's gonna be accomplished in that church. I know that the right people are there. I know that the right things are fixing to happen. I know that that church is about to come together. I know that that church is about to start moving forward into what God has called them to. How do you know that? Because I touched heaven. And if I touched heaven, then I know what God has intended will come to pass. And I'm not gonna be double-minded about it. I'm not going to say, well, maybe, well, possibly. No, sir. If I touched heaven and I know God heard my prayer, then what he desired shall surely come to pass. He doesn't speak his word and say, I hope that works. I said, God doesn't speak his word and say, I hope that works. His word does not return unto him void. He's not double-minded about it. He's not concerned about it. His word does not return to him void, but it accomplishes exactly what he sent it out to do. And his word that dwells in me, are you listening to me? His word that dwells in me, his promise that dwells in me, his anointing that dwells in me, it's not gonna be wasted in me because I'm gonna be single-minded to do what God has called me to do and not back up. It doesn't matter come hell or high water. I wanna stand strong and not be double-minded in what God has called me to do but see the victory won in every area. Hallelujah. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, at my first defense, no man stood with me. At my first defense, no man stood with me. At his first defense, the first thing Paul was charged with was being a ringleader of the people that had set Rome on fire when Nero was Caesar. That was the first charge against Paul. You're a ringleader of the ones that set that thing on fire. But at his first defense, no one stood with him because if you were found guilty of that, then all the perks of being a Roman went, went out the door. They would, they would put your body, they would put you on a pole, cover you in pitch and set you on fire. That was the penalty. So Paul said, in my first defense, nobody stood with me because everybody else didn't want to be associated with that. But he said, God stood with me. God stood with me and he brought me out. And he goes on to say, God's going to bring me out out of every circumstance. <laughs> let, let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. Second Timothy chapter four. I love this passage. Paul said this, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known that all Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every the work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to who be glory for honor, who be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I know Jesus Christ is going to take care of me and that settles it. No matter how it turns out, I know that I'm in the will of God and as long as I'm in the will of God, there's no double-mindedness in him. There's no opportunity to go back to the world in him. There's nothing else that he desires than to simply finish the course that God has put him on and I'm telling you tonight that you'll be successful in following Jesus if that's what you want to do and put your mind and your heart on being part of that army that God has placed in this town, in this season to accomplish his work. But if you're double-minded, he said, my soul has no pleasure in you. My soul has no pleasure in you. 
You see, you've got to remove the first before the second can be established. You have to remove the lustful desires of your heart before the second can be established. You have to remove all the desires to go back into the world before the you, you can't come to God with any reservations. You can't step into what God has called you into by saying, well, if this don't... <laughs> I, I, I think it's a joke, but people, a, a guy, I, I heard a, a, about a guy, and I think it was a joke, who said, well, I used to preach, and if this working thing don't work out, I can always go back to preaching. But the opposite's true, too. You can't let Jesus save you out of the world and then put provisions on how you're going to serve him. I said you can't let Jesus save you out of the world and then put provisions on how you're going to serve him. <clears throat> I've heard people say, well, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I know a lot that said that. I don't know a lot that done it because you put provisions on it. Whenever you come to God, you come just as I am without one plea. And if nothing turns out right and if everything still falls apart, you still stay with God. You still stay with God. We all want everything to come out right. We all want our families to be put back together. We all want our children to come. We all want everything to work out fine. We all want it to do it. But I'm going to tell you that even if it doesn't turn out the way you think it's going to, if your desire is to follow Jesus, then you're going to be all right. But if you set provisions on him and say, okay, well, I'll serve the Lord, but if it doesn't look like it's going to work out for me, then, I, then I'm, I don't know. If you're saying that, then you haven't lost the first. Your second can't be established. <laughs> Are you hearing me tonight? Your second can't be established if you haven't forsaken the first. I think if you talk to Brother Martin tonight, he's probably just as convinced that God's going to heal him as he was two years ago. Amen. Amen. If, you talk, if you talk to anybody that's trusting the Lord, they'll tell you that they're just as sure as God's promises as they were two years ago, five years ago. I feel like God promised me he was going to heal my son back 25 years ago, but that doesn't change how I feel about it. I still know that God's going to complete the work that he started in my boy. I'm telling you, he's going to do it. Because I forgot about the first. I've established the second. And the second is, by my stripes, you are healed. That is the second, and I've established that second. And I'm going to walk in that second. And I'm going to proclaim that second. And I'm going to rejoice in that second. And I'm going to receive that second. Why? Because I let the first die. You've got to let the first die. You know, if I, if I, I, I didn't go here all my life. We went to church in Beaumont for, I don't know how long, first maybe 13 years of my life, or we went to church in someplace else before that, but then we were in Beaumont until I was about, I guess, 14, I don't know, 15. How, how old? 16. Then we left there, and we went to First Assembly in Silsby, and we were there from 16 to, man, I don't know, forever, till, till we went into ministry in, in uh 2000 around we went and we started preaching to different churches and 
we still were members of First Assembly. We didn't, we didn't really change that to 2005 when we went to Houston and stopped going to First Assembly. And First Assembly was a great church, and we had a lot of fun there. We had a lot of members there. We raised our kids there. We had great youth pastors there. We had wonderful times there. It was, it was a wonderful place to be. It was a wonderful place to raise your kids. It was a wonderful place to worship. We had a set of friends there that we did everything with. And it, it was just a great opportunity for us for that portion of our life. It was wonderful. But God called us into the ministry. And he could never establish us in the ministry until we forgot the first. Till we realized that we were no longer going to first assembly. Do you hear me? Until we had to break some relationships. And they weren't, they weren't God, they weren't, they weren't bad relationships. They weren't relationships that were that were detrimental. They were good relationships. They were relationships that's been established over all this time. But we had to, we had to walk away from that. We had to do what God's called us to do and let them do what God called them to do. And we could never be successful in what God, and when I say successful, I mean doing what God told us to do. We could never do the second of pastoring a church until we let the first go. And until you let the former things pass away and let God begin to establish the, the newer things in your life, you're going to have a difficult time serving Jesus, walking in the promises he's given you. The Bible talks about two types of people who can't do that, who can't forget the first so that the second can be established. The first one, the Bible calls a dog who can't quit eating its own vomit. Can't get rid of that hurt, can't get rid of that problem, can't get rid of that, that situation, can't get rid of something that happened in their life. They continue to carry it. They won't let it go. Maybe it was a marriage. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. But I know this, that when God sets you free, he sets you free from all of that stuff. He called, you to, he called you to be a part of what he was doing and in order for you to begin, begin to be productive in, and, and successful and victorious in what God has called you to do, you've got to let the first go instead of vomiting it up and eating it again. Until you let it go. <laughs> Ooh, Hallelujah. Till you let it go, you'll never be anything more than a dog. Always dependent on somebody else to feed you. Always dependent on somebody else to make you happy. The Bible talks about the second kind of person, and he calls that person a swine, a pig, who returns back to waller in the mire. Someone who can't let go of what they thought were great times playing in the mud. Now, a pig plays in mud, if I'm not mistaken. Some of you are better adapted pigs than I am. But a pig, if I'm not mistaken, wallers in the mud because he's not able to regulate his body temperature very well. So therefore, he gets in the mud to try to cool himself off. So he's in that mud because of a deficiency that he, can't, that he doesn't have. So therefore, if you're a Christian and you find yourself wanting to go back and walling in the mud that God cleans you up out of, if you find yourself doing that, then there's some kind of deficiency in your Christian life, and that deficiency is not on God's side. Amen. 
Ouch. That deficiency is not on God's side. That deficiency is normally on our side of something we're not willing to quit, something that we're not willing to let go of, something we want to continue in when God says it's time to let it go, but we try to continue in it, and that deficiency eventually brings you back to the mud that God took you out of. The children of Israel could never let go of their idols, could never let go of them. God marched them around in the wilderness for 40 years. They failed God at Kadesh Barnea and God marched them around in the wilderness for 40 years. Took away their idols, took away everything. Raised up an entire new generation. And they're, they're just about to go into the promised land. They get to a place called Baal Peor. Baal Peor. And when they get to Baal Peor, there's a guy there that's over that area that's a king, and his name is Balak. And he has a man named Balaam. Has, have, I, have I confused you? Balak got a prophet named Balaam to come and curse the people of Israel, but he couldn't curse them, but he had to bless them. Are you with me? So he blessed them. But because he wanted the money, he said, listen, these guys are subject to idolatry, and if you get a bunch of your women all dolled up, really looking good, and come out there and start circulating in the camp, them old boys will follow you. Them old boys will follow you. And so you know what Balak did? He dressed his women up, looking good. Those women of Moab, they got all dolled up, all looking good, and they went out there and started flirting around with them old boys. They go around there throwing their little stuff over them teenage boys and over them young men. And them young men, they just start drooling. At the, they just they can't stand it. And they're just so pretty. They just look so good. Oh, man, they are so, they are hot, man. These girls are hot. Oh, it doesn't, some, for all of a sudden, it doesn't matter that they're not Jewish girls. That doesn't matter. Why? Because, oh, baby, did you see her? Woo-hoo-hoo, baby, yeah. That's my kind of woman, I'm telling you. Oh, she, she's not of my faith. I know that, but, but God will bring her in. Well, guess what? 40 years in the desert, 40 years of wandering around, 40 years of letting the previous generation die, 40 years of, of nothing but trouble and trial and hardship, and now they're standing at the door ready to go in, and what's happening? Them old girls are flaunting around, and next thing you know, there's so many of them boys from the tribe of Simeon that's followed those girls that God has to bring a judgment on them. They're back into idolatry on the very edge of falling into God's graces and moving into the promised land, they fall back into idolatry, following those little flusies around. How did that happen? They refused to forget the first so that they could embrace the second. Oh, they thought it was dead. They thought they were ready. They thought they had all that stuff under the blood. But the first time it raised its ugly hand, they said, you know what? That wasn't so bad back in back in 40 years ago. That wasn't so bad. Why don't we go back and try again? You've got to forget the first, and I don't care how good she looks, you gotta let that go. You gotta let that go. You gotta say, she's not my type. What's your type? Saved, set free, delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost, and under the power of God, that's my type. 
Is this on? I didn't hear any amens out of my teenagers. They're just looking at me. But you got to forget the first in order to establish the second. Stand with me tonight. I think I'm done. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mike, could I get your praise team? Y'all could y'all come back up here and let's sing one song before we leave out of here. Because I want to give you an opportunity tonight. You know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to talk about me, and you can decide if it applies to you. But when I have trouble releasing something to the Lord, it's because I want to do it. When I, have trouble, when I have trouble getting victory over something, the problem with the victory is not on God's side. He's already done everything he's going to do. He sent Jesus down here. He's forgiven me of sin. He's, he's given me the Holy Spirit. He's made it to where I can, I, can, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And if I have trouble with something in my life, it's normally not God's fault. Matter of fact, it's never God's fault. The fault is on my side because I'm not willing to let it go. The first thing I have to pray for is God to make me willing to let it go. And then once I'm willing to let it go, I found that victory's pretty easy after that. But the hardest part is letting the first die so he can establish the second. And maybe tonight, and if nobody comes, that's fine. There's no pressure on you. But maybe tonight, one or two of you are having a little bit of trouble letting the first go so that God can establish the second. But I want to tell you tonight that until you're willing to do that, you're always going to struggle. It's always going to be a difficult time. You're always going to wonder why God seems to be blessing everybody else and not blessing you as much. You're, you're always going to be somewhat restricted because in order to gain what God has given you and go into the promised land and possess the things that, that God has promised you, you've got to walk away from idols. You've got to walk away from those things that excite your eyes. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the, the lust of the eyes. You've got to walk away from that. And sometimes in order to walk away from that, it's, it's a difficult step. It's hard. So tonight, while we sing one song, if, you, if that's you tonight, I want you to come down. And I want to see the Lord touch your heart tonight to where you can be free. Be free to follow the Lord like you desire to, to follow him, so.
church it's it's a nature's valley revival so we're inviting all the churches there's 22 churches in the nature's valley section we're inviting everybody to come over here the evangelist is going to be a guy named creston tomlin um we're going to have a 10 o'clock morning service every morning and then um, at least monday tuesday and wednesday we'll have 10 o'clock morning services and then we'll have evening services with him so put that on your calendar plan to come we're just going to believe that God's going to set these woods afire with the gospel of Jesus Christ, cause our churches to grow and be in, in energized by him. But I want my church, our church, to be part of that energized process. Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. So it's October the 8th through the 11th, and uh, just be in prayer for that if you would. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for being here. We have prayer meeting Tuesday morning. We'll be going door to door Tuesday afternoon, 4 o'clock, if you can make it. And also... I'll be preaching at the priesthood Tuesday night down here at Frank's Branch. So um, just thought I'd let you know that. 
Wednesday night church. So God bless you. Have a great week. Heavenly Father, bless them. Keep them. Let your anointing rest upon them, God. Guard them and protect them, Father God. Prosper them in everything they put their hands to, Lord God. And may the power of the Holy Spirit move them forward this week in you. Let your glory fill their homes, Almighty God. Let your power touch their children, Lord God. And may they be called blessed of all around them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and for your glory. Amen. Thank you.